Pastor Xavier Reese reminds us that faith means to let go and let God. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1 1. You can do all you want in your human efforts, it'll never do it. This is also a problem with us at times. We worry about things that will never happen. We're filled with anxiety and do everything we can to make the situation happen when in fact God has already spoken to us that He's gone before us. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Face the music and pay the piper are sayings we use to describe the consequences of wrongdoing. Even Core TV has taught us how that after the accused has been found guilty, whatever punishment to be administered is decided upon during the much-anticipated penalty phase of a trial. Well, in today's installment of our study of the book of Genesis, Jacob, the accused, will finally be faced with his accuser, his brother Esau, for deceiving him out of his birthright, and we'll see Jacob's tendency to revert back to his old cunning ways nearly cost him God's earlier promise for true reconciliation with Esau. Pastor Xavier takes us right to our text and today's simple truths. Genesis chapter 33, verse 1 through 20, and the message entitled, Old Habits Die Hard. The art of climbing a telephone pole is in leaning back and trusting the belt to hold you as your feet are stuck with the spikes into the pole. But the natural tendency is to reach forward. And when you do that, you get a body full of splinters as you slide down the pole. In the same way, Jacob is now returning home after 20 years. God has just protected him from Uncle Laban. He has wrestled with God all night. God has crippled him, and his name has been changed to Israel, but he still doesn't get it. His mind is racing, thinking how he's going to make amends with Esau. And so the following meeting of Jacob and Esau is unfolded for us in three movements here in chapter 33. Let me read our text for us. Now Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and there Esau was coming and with him 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maidservants. And he put the maidservants and their children in front, Leah and her children behind, and Rachel and Joseph last. Then he crossed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near his brother. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. And he lifted up his eyes and saw the women and children and said, oh, Who are these with you? And so he said, The children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the maidservants came near, they and their children, and bowed down. Then Leah also came near and her children, and they bowed down. And afterwards Joseph and Rachel came near, and they bowed down. And then Esau said, What do you mean by all this company which I met? And he said, these are to find favor in the sight of my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. And Jacob said, no, please, if I have now found favor in your sight, then receive my present from my hand, inasmuch as I have seen your face as though I had seen the face of God. And you were pleased with me. Please take my blessing that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have enough. 
So he urged them, and he took it. And then Esau said, let us make our journey. Let us go, and I will go before you. But Jacob said to him, my Lord knows that the children are weak, and the flocks and herds which are nursing are with me. And if the men should drive them hard one day, all the flocks will die. Please let my Lord go on ahead before his servant. I will lead on slowly at a pace which the livestock that go before me, and the children are able to endure until I come to my Lord and Seer. And Esau said, Now let me leave with you some of the people who are with me. But he said, What need is there? Let me find favor in your sight of my Lord. So Esau returned that day on his way to Seir. And Jacob journeyed to Succoth, built himself a house, and made booths for his livestock. Therefore the name of the place is called Succoth. Then Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, when he came from Padaram, and he pitched his tent before the city, and he bought a parcel of land where he had pitched his tent from the children of Hamar, Shechem's father, for 100 pieces of money. And then he erected an altar there and called it El Eloi, Israel. The following meeting of Jacob and Esau unfolds for us in three movements revealing the following. First, the favor of God over Jacob, verse 1 through 4. Secondly, we have the favor of Esau over Jacob in verse 5 through 11. And lastly, we have the favorable arrangement of Jacob in verse 12 through 20. The favor of God over Jacob comes first. Notice in verse 1 and 2, Jacob was struck with desperation as he saw Esau in verse 1. Jacob lifted up his eyes, he looked, and there Esau was coming, and with him 400 men. The only thing Jacob could imagine was the worst. Esau was coming for revenge. 400 men were not to greet him in his mind. Jacob was crippled, remember. He could not run from Esau. So Jacob divided the children in three groups. Now notice, he divided the children among Leah, then Rachel, and then the two maidservants. He put the maidservants and their children in front, Leah and her children behind them, and Rachel and Joseph last. So he's thinking, if he's going to wipe me out, these are the ones that I want to go first, second, and third. Now, Jacob resorted to his old ways of self-sufficiency instead of trusting in God. Jacob had just spent the entire night wrestling with the angel of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jacob had not prevailed physically, but he had prevailed spiritually in his prayer request. Chapter 33, verse 25 and 30. God had heard his prayer, save me from my brother. There are those who see Jacob as courageous here, really trusting God. But I find that very difficult to accept. Notice in verse 3 and 4, Jacob humbles himself then before Esau. In verse 3, Jacob took the initiative and he went before them all. Jacob placed himself at the highest risk as Jacob crossed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times. So he is courageous to an extent, but Listen, he can't run. 
All right? <laughs> the custom that he's doing here is of high officials and kings bowing before them. The number seven represents completeness. Jacob wanted Esau to understand that his return was in complete submission to Esau and to show his desire to undo the deception he had committed against him 20 years earlier. You see, Jacob's still guilty in his own heart because things have not been reconciled with his brother. It's still there. Jacob did this not only repeatedly, but notice progressively until he came near his brother, making himself vulnerable and marking his coming in peace. Almost as if, have you ever seen animals when one is superior, dominant or the other, and they cower, they put their tail between their legs, and they kind of just come up like this, and, and hopefully the, the other is merciful? This is the picture I see of Jacob. He's uncertain. In verse 4, Esau, to Jacob's amazement, he's expecting the worst, and the best happens. <laughs> Esau hugged Jacob with loving affection. It must have blown his mind. Esau demonstrated that he longed for Jacob. Listen, but Esau ran to meet him. Jacob was expecting to get hammered on. Esau embraces him. Shocker. Almost like a man who's clearing a minefield without a mine detector. And he's expecting the worst, but he's hoping for the best. Just not sure. He embraces him. He hugged him to show him his approval. Wow. Notice Esau demonstrated love for Jacob and then Jacob for Esau because of really Esau's initiation here. He fell on his neck and he kissed him. And then it says they wept. Their mutual reconciliation, the eyes had been broken. 20 years. Like Moses, who didn't trust God for his call. And he kept making lame excuses till finally God says, all right, I'll give you your brother Aaron to be your mouthpiece. God was as good as accomplished everything, but Moses didn't trust him that way. And so here likewise, Jacob, God had already assured him, but he wasn't resting, trusting God for it. Did you notice that Jacob is called Jacob, as I said, throughout the narrative, not Israel? Jacob was the old man, the old nature, the conniver, the trickster, the con artist, if you will, self-sufficient. And yet his name had been changed to Israel, governed by God, ruled by God. He resorted to the old man. Listen to Ephesians 4, 21 through 24. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. That is a daily decision that you and I have to make every time it comes to how we deal with our children, our wives, at work, decisions, whatever it is. Did I not resort to the old man, but I put him off and put on the new man? Jacob robbed himself of the blessing of resting in God by faith. 
about what God had made known to him personally. And this is the key. This is the context. It's not that Jacob didn't know. God had already wrestled with him and told him. And he wasn't resting in that. He failed to recall that God had told him to go back to Canaan when he was in Uncle Laban. He failed to recall that God had protected him from Uncle Laban. He failed to recall the angelic escort that God revealed to him as he entered the land. He failed to recall that God had met him personally that night and wrestled with him and assured him victory through prayer. He failed in his faith to believe what God had revealed to him. This was the failure of Jacob. This is also a problem with us at times. And so we worry about things that will never happen. We're filled with anxiety and do everything we can to make the situation happen when in fact God has already spoken to us that he's gone before us. Now I'm talking about when God has spoken to you very clearly, I'm going to do it. Or just rest. I'm not talking when you're still seeking the Lord. I'm talking when he's already made known to you and then you still take it upon your own hands. It can be a non-believing husband, a non-believing wife. It can be your rebellious children. It can be something at work. Galatians 3, 8 says, And the scriptures foreseen that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all nations shall be blessed. Abraham just believed. As incredulous as it was, he believed God. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1. 1. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11.6. All of us live by faith. I live by faith. You live by faith. There is no different level that we live on. We're all the same. And faith always points to the revelation of God, his word. Only God can wipe away 20 years of bitterness. In one night, God did that in the heart of Esau. You can do all you want in your human efforts, it'll never do it. We try to fix human relationships by our own energies. You can't. Only God can mend hearts. 20 years of bitterness, gone. God did it. The favor of God over Jacob had been promised by God. He wasn't resting in it. Notice, secondly, you have the favor of Esau over Jacob in verse 5 through 11. In verse 5, the reaction of Esau at all the people comes first. Esau was surprised by the number of individuals Jacob had left alone and running for his life. He lifted up his eyes, saw the women, the children, and he said, Who are these with you? Jacob responded by identifying them as his family and his servant. So he said, the children whom God has graciously given your servant. Notice Jacob is very humble. Life has broken Jacob. God has broken Jacob. The submission of the wives and children follow by their family priorities in verse 6 and 7. In verse 6, those plays at front in case Esau would have attacked, come first. Then the maidservants came near and their children, and they bowed down in reverence and respect. They were the extension of Jacob. They presented themselves as the servants of Esau. Those placed second, if attack came next, 
Leah also came near with her children, and they bowed down. Leah certainly knew all about Esau from Jacob. She's been married to him for 20 years. They also presented themselves as the servants of Esau. And then last came Joseph and Rachel. They came near, and they bowed down. She and Joseph equally presented themselves as a servant of Esau. Notice next the reaction of Esau was to the presence in verse 8 and 9. He wasn't expecting this. Then Esau said, what do you mean by all this company which I met? And so Jacob responded in truth and in humility. Listen, Jacob said, these are to find favor in the sight of my Lord. The word favor means acceptance. He was looking for approval. He was looking for forgiveness. Esau responded in verse 9 with gracious contentment. Boy, I mean, you talk about Esau. He's never put in a good light. This is the only time. God did a number in his heart. He responded with gracious contentment. Listen to him. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. Esau's, Esau's okay <laughs> at this point. All that Jacob was fearing was a waste of time. The insistence of Jacob by submission and appreciation comes next in verse 10 and 11. Jacob declared to Esau in verse 10 that his acceptance of the gift would be evidence of his forgiveness. I mean, he's already told him, I'm, I'm trying to find your approval. He's, he's being very truthful. And so he objected immediately, and Jacob said, no, please. And he appealed sharply, if I have now found favor in your sight, then receive my present from my hand. It's very personal. He says, inasmuch as I have seen your face as though I had seen the face of God. Not that he equated Esau with God or as God, but the acceptance of Esau being a confirmation of God's doing in the heart of Esau as he saw the face of God when he wrestled with him at Peniel in Genesis 32, 30. Peniel means facing God. And as he would be accepted, then it would be a confirmation of what he had been seen in God and how he had been accepted by God. And so he commended Esau, notice, for reconciling with him, and you were pleased with me. This is what he's seeking. The word please is an important word. It's a sacrificial word that is used regarding God when he accepts a sacrifice for forgiveness, for approval. Leviticus 1, 4, 7, 18. There's a couple of places. It is interesting when there is no real forgiveness or true forgiveness that there is no peace. God has made us as moral beings, ethical beings. And in spite of the culture that we live in, it still goes against the natural grain. Certainly you can callous your conscience. Certainly you can go against it. We've seen evidence of that through our society and through history. But to begin with, we are moral beings with a conscience and a need of being right with not only God but with people. 
Jacob pleaded with Esau, notice one last time in verse 11. The focus was that it was a personal gift from him. Please take my blessing that is brought to you. The reason given points to God because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have enough. Esau said, I have an abundance. Jacob says, I have everything. Jacob's getting the perspective. When he left, he had nothing. He has the promises of God. He has everything. The persistence of Jacob won out, notice. So he urged him, and he took it. To refuse it would be insulting and evidence that there was no true forgiveness or reconciliation. You remember David? David was very gracious to the house of Saul, trusting that God was going to go before him and give him the kingdom. Even when his men wanted him to strike Saul, he says he would not touch God's anointed. And he rested that God would give him the kingdom. And as God brought judgment on Saul and he was killed by the Philistines, David eulogized Saul and Jonathan before all of them. And being so gracious, though he was his enemy, God gave him the kingdom. God's way. He rested in God. Jacob had failed in this. There is much to be said about the Christian being generous. Certainly not for buying people's affection, but to simply bless them. Those who we see having a need, and it doesn't always have to be regarding money, but maybe our time. Somehow we think that money will solve everything. It doesn't. And we can be so quick to pull out our checkbook. Sometimes all people need is just some attention, a conversation. It could be to help them. Watching the children to relieve that mommy just for that morning as she has her doctor's appointment and she doesn't have to take the four or five kids with her. It could be just coming alongside a young mommy who has just come to the Lord and she feels like she's just not loving enough and she just feels so alone and she just needs another Christian mom who's a little older, who's gone through this to come alongside and hug her and say, you know what? It's all right. We all go through this. Uh, let's get together and, and talk. Or, or, or you come over or I'll come over. And, 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 and just that support. That's all. Time. Could be to invite a couple over for dinner. That's what the church body is about. Or perhaps those who are in difficult situations in their lives. Perhaps they've lost a job. Perhaps they've been disabled for a time. Or perhaps... Their children are taking them through the fire in their teen years. <laughs> James 2a says, if you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you will do well. You see, the reason the Christian is generous is really very simple. We have the true riches. Even as Jacob told Esau, I have everything. Proverbs 25, 11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Valuable. Precious. You see, the favor of Esau over Jacob 
had been accomplished by God. It was all done by God. Pastor Xavier Reese, reminding us that God's way of meeting the needs of His children often happens through our obedience as brothers and sisters. Just another lesson we can learn from the story of Jacob and Esau. And you can pick up a copy of today's challenging message, Old Habits Die Hard. It's available on CD for just $4. Now, we're only halfway through this study and plan to continue it next time, but this full, unedited version is available upon request. Once again, the title, Old Habits Die Hard. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please, it's helpful when you tell us the call letters of this station when you contact us. Can coming to the end of ourselves be the end of our strife as well? Join us next time for the fitting conclusion of our study in Genesis as we see God's faithfulness despite the lack of faith in Jacob. Hope to see you then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com